It's called wokeness, and it's a plague. A plague that places tyranny before freedom, criminality over virtue, and hate over love. It's a plague that threatens what millions have died for. Victory at all costs. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. We will fight it. We will defeat it. We will eradicate it. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the least woke man in America. That's right. This is leastwoke.com, and you are listening to the least woke man in America. Preferred gender, preferred pronoun, everything. Just freaking everything. Let's get naked. Let's get high. Let's make babies. Let's just let the taxpayers raise them. And then when we all get done, when it's all said and done, let's sit around and make fun of how awful Republicans are. That's right. Now, um, okay, everyone. This is a big episode because of the monumental event that has taken place in the last 48 hours as far as Elon Musk buying Twitter. Um, let's look at the political landscape. Okay, things are looking good for Republicans in November, but as I've said a million times on the show... I don't just measure things in politics. I actually care about the country, and I don't even know what the country is going to look like by November. So if you're just looking at a political scoreboard, things are looking good for the Republicans. As far as the country, things are still kind of scary. Inflation, Russia, um, COVID, which obviously is not nearly as bad as it was. It, it's To me, it's a non-factor at this point, but it's always hovering behind the surface and even if the virus itself doesn't concern you, you just know as long as it's sitting there, especially in blue states, uh, it's there's always the chance of it used as leverage for all types of rights restrictions, as we've seen in the past. So, but the Elon Musk story is incredible because, like I said, things are looking good politically for the Republicans, not good for the country itself, but we really needed a win in the social media censorship area. Because unfortunately, even though I su supported President Trump, him and McConnell and the Republicans just did not get it done um, as far as um, pulling away, I forgot the name of the special status for social media companies before Trump was done being president. Of course, it didn't help that there's so much, so much of their garbage he was dealing with but uh, at the time, so we needed a win against these social media companies and the Joe Biden oligarchs, as we called them on this show, the absolute oligarchs, the big tech and social media millionaires and especially billionaires who would continually enable the Democratic Party, Democratic politicians, while hindering free speech and in many ways dictating the way the rest of us should live. So what I want to start with, okay, here's a 5,000 foot overview of Twitter. And the reason that, that this is important, I want to talk to uh, like middle-aged type people. There's so many good middle-aged people in this country who are good citizens, uh, you know, diligent in everything they do. And it always makes me feel bad because they have like a complex when it comes to social media stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. Same way people do sometimes with um, college. Like you can have a person who's a great person, great parent, great worker, or a great professional person, charitable person, and they never went to college, so they'll get like a 
uh, weirdness or a complex about them when you mention college. And I, I, that always bothers me because there's so many intangibles as far as people, uh, if you want a good and decent society, which has to be the priority, uh, a society full of college-educated, narcissistic, hedonistic criminals does not function very well. And since we're skewing that direction, and some days it seems like in warp speed, I wanted to point that out. So some people who are great people get a complex because they don't know what Twitter is or don't have a lot of, if any, social media accounts. All Twitter is, if you're, you know, 62 years old and, you know, are just kind of baffled by this whole thing, because, you know, people in their 50s, 60s, 70s in particular get the complex. Now, a lot of people in their 30s and 40s can't wait to go out of their way and say, I don't have any of that shit. <laughs> I've heard that before. Facebook, Twitter, you name it, and are very proud of it. But Twitter is just a app, in essence. You download on your phone, you create a username and password, just like email, and you can follow certain people, you know, and then, excuse me, and then you can write a tweet, what they call. They call it a tweet. The reason it's called a tweet is because originally it was constricted to 140 characters. And everything counts as a character, even a space between words, if I remember correctly, periods, exclamation points. Then they expanded to 280. So it's not like Facebook where you can write literally thousands and thousands of words, which of course probably no one reads. But so that's why it was called a tweet, just a little blurb that you shoot out there. and you Or you could put a link to a news article or a picture or whatever. So that's how it all started. And it was became pretty popular. I mean, a lot of politicians, movie stars especially, athletes, used it as their way to talk to the world before a lot of people would hire a PR expert or release a statement. You know, you'd always hear he's released a statement or she has released a statement. So the people would just tweet and express their thoughts. And then, you know, some people, you know, became like any other social media apps, superstars on Twitter by overnight by practically doing nothing of substance other than being good at Twitter, which is weird to me, but whatever. So you go on there and politicians and famous people of all different stripes, they put their tweet up and, you know, for the most part, then you get pounced on and I'm sure none of them ever read the comments. I call it the toxic chihuahuas where they just, if you're Republican, all types of liberal whack jobs, you know, just spray all types of hate towards the tweet and vice versa. Or, if, you know, if it's a famous person no one likes, um, you know, people badmouth them. It's not all negative, don't get me wrong. Um, I've liked it over the years just for people that I respect putting a tweet on there. There's certain financial people, say like Brit Hume, kind of a dry type guy in Fox News, but normally has pretty good points. So I follow him on Twitter. I follow a lot of people on Twitter. Uh, but I don't, you know, not to get into the craziness, but just if they have something of substance to say, especially experienced news people with Ukraine, uh, it's been handy with certain generals and stuff, I think. But uh, so it can be used intelligently, but for the most part, it's become a just a big uh, kind of a restricted mess. And we'll get into that. So, I mean, it's not even that big of a company. It's $5 billion in revenue. There's supposedly there's 300 million users. No one knows how many are real. It's estimated 90% are real, 10% are ro robots, which people who follow this stuff know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to get into details about that. Um, so that's the overview of Twitter. Jack Dorsey was the founder. He's been throwing out um, 
uh, not thrown. Well, it ended bad. He got you know he left his own company. He started, which I'm always amazed when people do that. But anyway, he uh, so he left during the um, whole. F- I guess he couldn't handle how the ruckus. Okay, between just so much has been thrown at Twitter as far as criticism of their f- suppression of free speech. And Jack Dorsey said, "I'm out of here." And then there's a new gentleman who's the new CEO. I refer to as the sheriff. Because he is just such an, or at least was, he, he, such an unabashed tough guy about how Twitter is not a free speech forum. And there's no just, this new liberal mantra, if you don't know, is there's no such thing as real free speech. For example, the, and they are right, the Supreme Court has ruled, for example, you can't scream fire in a movie theater if there's no fire. And then everybody's screaming and goes wild and runs toward the, towards the door. Now, in their minds, <clears throat> excuse me, Questioning election results in a close presidential election is the equivalent of yelling fire in a movie theater, which is beyond insane because if you live in a democracy, people have the right to question election results. But that's that's the world we live in. So, so you have Twitter. Uh, I think it's skewed heavily left as far as users, and we sure as heck learned the last couple days it is skewed left as far as the employees because they have gone insane since Elon Musk bought it, which of course conveys the restrictions are going to be loosened. Yet Twitter, which is dominated by progressives on the inside, everybody's going ballistic. Well, my God, that's amazing that such open-minded people would be so afraid of free speech. And to me, that couldn't convey enough just this entire muzzling. Whenever you see something being muzzled, you see bullying, and you see insecurity, defensiveness. They cannot defend their positions, so they have to restrict. It's a combination of insecurity and self-righteousness. It's a combination of um, some of them, either consciously or subconsciously, know that their positions are indefensible and completely out of the mainstream. Or self-righteousness and they think that they are so smart and so evolved and so open-minded that the rest of us can't handle, can't comprehend and grasp what they have to say. And so away we're like a bunch of hairless baboons who need to be restricted and our rebuttals to that. I'm, I'm not kidding. So the whole Twitter thing from... The whole thing that's concerned me with Twitter the last couple of years is I, I just think it's the whole thing has been made so much bigger than it really is. And now even Democrats, left-wingers like Bill Maher, who are concerned about the upcoming election, are begging the Democratic Party to accept the fact, or, you know, this is all pre-Elon Musk, that Twitter is not America. And that could not be true. And that's why I made the point to talk a couple minutes ago about how so many good, hardworking, responsible, law-abiding citizens in this country aren't on Twitter, don't care about Twitter, don't care about what's trending on Twitter, if they were on Twitter, a lot different things would be trending than what trend on there because most of the people on there aren't playing with a full deck. So that's my other point. You get a bunch of nut jobs on there and then there's trends on there and then CEOs follow these trends if they're men with their testicles and their pelvis so afraid of this army of purple-haired freaks might boycott their uh, products and then boom, this whole Twitter thing became so much more powerful than it ever should have been as far as influencing the society, influencing advertising spending, which of course has a huge effect on everything else as far as the influence. Um, 
And the whole thing, that's that's what bugs me like so many other people, is that cowardly, greedy CEOs in conjunction with Twitter, well, put it this way, the Twitter trend would send, like, like I said, it would start on Twitter, the trend, CEOs, just pure cowardice, regardless of their own personal beliefs, regardless of what's true, regardless of what's good for the country, regardless of what the majority of the opinion is, would cave to these idiots. And that is part of the trend everybody is sick and freaking tired of. Um, everybody's sick and tired of it. Whether it's, they didn't censor that I know of a don't say gay, except for, um, I don't know if a lot of you know this, there's a big backlash against, for example, this whole gender thing and that don't say gay as far as the, uh, the uh, proponents of don't say gay the people support it are saying if there is such a sick twisted motive behind talking to five and six year olds about sex how do we know that partis is not grooming the kids for pedophiles you can laugh at all you want as far as that being far-fetched but no one who wants to talk about a, to a five six or seven eight year old about sex and gender identity one is normal or two and i don't care if i use the word normal and i really don't care if i get censored they're not normal and they're sick in the head, and you have to question what their motives are. And so there's a term called grooming. People say, well, maybe they're grooming them to be pedophiles. So, of course, Twitter and the rest of the social media companies ban the word grooming. So you're a bad person to say grooming, but you're an okay person to talk to a five- or six-year-old who's not even your kid about sex and gender identity. So this was a classic pump the brakes moment in American history where the normal people stepped in said no we're pumping the brakes on the freak show on the censorship on being dominated by the most unstable and wacky five to ten percent of the population and we've had enough and because when is the last time think about this you have heard a conservative republican libertarian anywhere anywhere any freaking where want to censor anybody you haven't what have we ever talked about censoring Whoopi Goldberg or AOC or Al Sharpton or Joy Behar? Never. No matter how look, I mean, look at the vitriolic stuff Keith Olbermann has said about right wingers, right wingers over the years, or um, John Stewart or the rest of these idiots. Never, because it only helps us. Because we know we are right. We're secure in our positions. They're based on rational thinking, common sense, Western values, the American Constitution. You name it. We we don't get we don't get we don't get insecure, so if anything it helps us because they're the stuff that comes out of their mouth is usually so nuts or so insulting to the American public that it only helps us. How many t- times have the idiots on the View spoke and it becomes like uh, catnip for right wingers? We don't want them censored. It's like manna, political manna from heaven. <laughs> Excuse me. Whenever those idiots run their mouths, so. The bottom line, and you're not allowed to question anything they say. So we get into the, the real crowning event, though, with all of this, that I think whether it's Elon Musk, whether it's um, all types of people, was the October 2020 Hunter Biden laptop story from the New York Post, which I know is owned by Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News. Regardless, it was a legitimate news story, which is now true. You could not post it on Twitter. You could not post it on Facebook, which is amazing because now at the one hand, you have Zuckerberg spending $430 million, the owner of Facebook, so people can go in other people's houses and show them how to vote. So, gee, I wonder how that was going since he's a 
huge liberal supporter, progressive, off the charts progressive. But on the other hand, and his company won't allow you to post the news story from the New York Post. So connect the dots on that one. Twitter, same thing. And that was really the crown jewel story. And, and Musk isn't stupid. Maybe he even questioned the Hunter Biden laptop story. But like everybody else, the dam breaks, as I spoke about in a previous podcast, that story was true. All the mainstream media is running for the hills now because they know Hunter's probably going to be indicted. And magically, uh, they're tr slowly trickling out just how true the story is. And, and they're all bracing themselves and, frankly, the country for the shock that comes when we find out what's on these emails, what pictures are in there, how Joe Biden, and he absolutely was involved in all the crooked business deals. It was all 100% true. It was all censored by Twitter. And here we are. Now Elon Musk owns Twitter. And there will be freer expression. I just can't believe the group that is dominated by poets and artists and bask in creativity and has always made it out that conservatives and Republicans are old white guys like Dick Cheney who pay people $3 an hour to clean their toenails while they smoke a cigar. And But they're the poets, the artists, the energy, the youth, the creativity of this country except when it comes for free speech. And you know why? Because their thinking is overly emotional and it starts with a utopia. It starts the ut this utopian vision, which by the way, do you know Nazism, the big part of that was a utopian vision. It was a utopian vision where Germany was the architects, the engineers, the scientists, and all the dirty, yucky manufacturing stuff was done in Poland and Romania, and they were going to outsource that to the Eastern European countries because they considered all those people in Africa and places like that because they all considered them all subhuman. And I mean, they really, they said subhuman. They didn't beat around the bush about it. So, but they had a utopia. And there's no greater disruptor to a utopia than free speech, free press, and the right to bear arms. See, that's the difference between the left and the right. The left, everything is based on a utopia, especially going back to Rudyard Wilson, going back to the 1960s, you name it. The right, whether it's conservatives or libertarians, starts with the rule of law to protect the individual. Uh, you know, if you want to use free speech and our electoral system to create a vision that other people go along with, vote for you to be in charge, but you know the individuals are still protected in the process, so be it. The left, it starts with a, and this particular progressive left in America today starts with a genderless, meatless, uh, gunless, perfect air, perfect water, at all cost, utopia. And you just a complete... <laughs> as I said at the beginning of my podcast, just a complete free-for-all. Just a everybody's stone, you don't have a gender, you don't eat meat, and if you only the cops own guns, if we do have cops, because, well, we like cops to go after Republicans, but overall we don't like cops, so like everything with them, there's no thinking, it's all emotional, just a big ball of yarn. And so um, that's where we stand. And nothing interrupts that utopia like free speech. Um, you are not allowed to question, you know, their motives. You're not even allowed to question a election in a democracy. If anything, that unravels the democracy or it's all 900 pounds of Carl Bernstein when they roll him out on CNN creates a constitutional crisis. It creates a constitutional crisis if you question your election results. See, the same people who created fake Russia, 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 who, um, you know, NATO's number one enemy, Russia, 
who were supplying, fighting right now through the Ukrainians, who increased NATO funding, uh, NATO spending more than anybody else? Donald Trump. So there is no thinking, there is no truth, and there, and that's where the complete meltdown that you see taking place. Uh, somebody like Rob Reiner, a Hollywood director, should be the epitome of expression and creativity. Just having a meltdown that Elon Musk, Elon Musk is not Donald Rumsfeld. He's not George W. Bush, okay? He's not Mitch McConnell. He is not a card-carrying conservative or Republican. He is a libertarian. So how much of any cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs world do you have to live in if you are threatened by a libertarian buying a free speech platform or a social media platform and making it more oriented towards free speech. And that's all you have to know about this. A libertarian buys a social media outlet, is going to dramatically increase people's ability to express themselves, and it is a complete pull-the-pin-out-of-the-grenade moment for the far American left. And that pretty much wraps it up. I hope this helps everyone, but this is a huge moment. We needed a win in this category. There's going to be massive wins politically in November, this is a huge win for free speech. Now, of course, we have to have some huge wins when it comes to inflation and when it comes to addiction and other uh, ills in this country. Because you can have free speech, you can have Republicans in charge of a lot of things, addictions, inflation, uh, there's just a lot of other things that still need to be addressed, but this is the first step because guess what? You can't address things unless you're allowed to talk about them. But take care, everyone, until the next episode, and trust me, there will be one. This is the least woke man in America.